Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living a show about people or organizations making a big impact here in North Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and joining us this morning is my old friend, Becky Thomas from the Kurt Thomas Foundation. How are you doing, Becky? Well, good morning. I love that you call me old friend. (laughs) Yes, I'm, I'm excited to be back this morning. We're so glad to have you back again because it's almost that time this fall for the annual gala for the Kurt Thomas Foundation. I love the fact that you guys give out scholarships to kids who are interested in gymnastics. I love that particular sport, and I love the fact that, you know, when people talk about the Olympics and they talk about gymnasts and they talk about Simone Biles, there's the Kurt Thomas Foundation. Absolutely. And and there are so many kids that uh, have – a love for the sport, a love for training and the training in specifically gymnastics, but I know in a lot of sports is very expensive. So we jump in to supplement their training for a year and give them a scholarship so they can relax a little bit as far as the financial side and just focus on the training. And it has been so rewarding to watch the First year, we gave a a scholarship away to Solon. He is part of the national team right now. He just competed in Japan. He's doing amazing. And it's really fun to watch them thrive. And especially when they send you notes saying things like, because of these private lessons or because I had help with my tuition, it made it easier for my family and I could travel more, I could compete more. And it's, it's just really awesome to see that what Kurt envisioned years and years ago, is a reality now. It's so amazing. And again, the late Kurt Thomas was a legendary, a legendary gymnast. And I mentioned Simone Biles because she actually is the only person that has tied his American record of most uh, medals (laughs) at a world championship. Can you talk about that and the similarities and kind of like it made people remember who the great Kurt Thomas is? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I love that. I love that for her. She is a a great person. And Mm -hmm. obviously Kurt, I, I, you know, I can't say enough about him, of course, but you know, it's, it's neat to watch that the, they're both trailblazers, right? So Kurt created four new skills that have his name. Uh, Simone has done the same. Kurt changed the face of gymnastics. Simone Biles has done the same. It's really neat to see the parallels, even though the time frame and the generation gap is, is pretty large. It's neat to watch that the sport has evolved, but that you can also find that extra level in it like Kurt did and find that extra level in it like Simone Biles did. And it brings the sport to a whole new group of kids coming up and a whole new generation that that loves gymnastics. And that is really neat to see. And I I really get emotional seeing his name come up all the time. I mean, Kurt competed back, you know, there's a 15 year age difference. I always have to say that because I I used to tease Kurt about Mm -hmm. uh, being so much younger, but you know, he started this back in the seventies. Here we are in 2023 and we're talking about Simone Biles and her comeback. And we're also talking about the fact that she parallels a lot of what she has accomplished next to Kurt. And And I have to tell you, Simone Biles, that there are men that can't even hold the candle to the kind of skills that she can throw. So to have their names together is, is really an honor. Uh, I, I think for both of them, it, it's really neat. It really is. And it, again, it, it salutes the legacy, but it also is there's a symmetry involved. There's some synergy and a symmetry involved. I know for you, it's very, it's very emotional to a degree because you were married to Kurt so many years. And when he lost his life a couple of years ago, and to make this foundation carry on that legacy. I know that's not necessarily a burden burden, but I know it's kind of tough to go through considering he wasn't with you along the way. And I know he left you some notes because we've talked about that. Yes, he did. You know, it's funny. I don't, I really don't think of it as a burden. I think of it more as healing and doing what he would have wanted me to do. And it, for me, gives me this outlet. You know, we, 
do we reestablish the foundation as a 501c3 and and all of the things that Kurt originally had intended when we kind of pushed it aside back in the beginning. But yeah, we were married for 23 years and I knew very well what his passion was and what he wanted to do in the future and how he wanted to give back, not just to gymnastics, but to sports in general. So when everything happened and I was in a pretty dark place, the first thing that I thought of that I could do to not just help me, but help carry on Kurt's legacy uh, was to reinvent the foundation and to carry on his vision of giving sports scholarships to young athletes. And for me, that was very fulfilling and, and still is. And I feel like I don't want people to forget Kurt and, and not that I think that they would, but it helps knowing that I'm putting his name out there with mm -hmm. such an amazing cause and to watch these kids flourish and to watch this new generation come up and tell me, Hey, when Mr. Kurt did this skill, this is all I wanted to do was copy this skill. And in my routine, I use the Thomas on, on high bar and I worked at that skill forever to get it. And I know Kurt got it right away. I, I hear things like that quite often. And for me and for our children, our, our daughter and our son, it, it takes a different turn now. It's more of a happy place mm -hmm. in my heart instead of such a sad place. It's giving me a lot of hope for uh, keeping his name there. And I, I feel like Kurt would be really proud of what these, these recipients are doing with this money and his friends that came together. You know, we have the board of directors on that board of directors are four Olympians on their own. And we've all come together for his cause. And it is it's just incredible. And, and I'm so proud. I'm so proud of him. And I'm so proud of what he accomplished in the sport. But I'm even more proud to carry on the rest of it for him that he talked about that maybe we just didn't have time to do at the time. You want to go ahead and mention those board of directors, including the four Olympians? Yeah, I would love to. Shout them out. <laughs> Shout them out. We have Lori Bannon and Donnell Rose. We have John McCready, who was an Olympian, uh, John Roethlisberger, who was Olympian, Mitch Gaylord. Um, our son, Hunter Thomas, is on the board. Lori Bannon is the president. Connie O'Neill is the uh, treasurer. Scott Millis does a ton of work for us. And of course, uh, Michael Wilson was an Olympian and competed with Kurt. And so did uh, Barry Woodward. He was on Kurt's team as well. So we've all come together, uh, friends of his, uh, teammates of his, obviously um, me and, and Lori Bannon, who originally started this with Kurt back in the day. And we all have this amazing passion for youth sports, but also for what Kurt did and what he didn't get to accomplish. And we want to carry that on so that people remember his name. And part of carrying that on is this huge gala that's coming up here mm -hmm. in eight weeks in Dallas. And this is the, the, coolest night ever. If you're looking for a date night, if you're looking for something to do to get out of the house and, and support a great cause, that's a lot of fun. This gala is the thing to do first Emerald city. So if anybody lives in oh, Dallas yeah. and like music, they know Emerald city, mm -hmm. um, Dino's phenomenal. And, and I can't thank them enough because they've been a huge supporter of the foundation. And Kurt and I used to go and watch them play all the time together. So I bet you uh, went, I bet you went and saw them play over in Addison off of Beltline road. We did. We I did, did we too. There, yes. Back in the day, we used yeah. to see them lava cantina. They're they're just terrific and so much fun. So they come and and along with that, we have a great dinner and a scholarship presentation. And this year, which I think is really cool, the winner of the Flair recipient award, which is. Uh, a, a person in sports, not necessarily gymnastics, that demonstrates what Kurt did as mm -hmm. far as giving back to the sport and creating different avenues for people to enjoy the sport. And this year it's going to figure skater Scott Hamilton. Hey, I, isn't that cool? And, you know, he was Very the cool. first person to do a backflip on the ice. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Uh, but other than that, he is a pioneer on his own as well. And he and Kurt knew each other, and I am thrilled to have him flying into town for the gala and to to receive his award. So, yeah, we're just we're counting down the days. We're totally excited. Very, very good. Excited. We're going to talk about that gala a little bit more in the interview. But, you know, we've got to hit stop down just for a second. You mentioned the Flair Award. Kurt mm -hmm. came up with some signature moves, including the Thomas Fair, Flair. 
And he also had a move that was banned. His dismount became banned. Can you talk about those particular moves in particular? Because I find it, I got this big grin on my face because everybody, if you haven't seen the Thomas Flair, you can, you can describe it very well. But I want you to describe this dismount and why only he was very good at doing this. Well, yes. I mean, it was his dismount on floor. And he, he actually has four skills. So he has the Thomas flare on pommels, mm-hmm. the Thomas on high bar. He has a Thomas mount on P bars that I think is so cool because I don't see a lot of people do it. And then he has the, the skill that you're talking about, which was really controversial. And it's the Thomas on floor. Um, it's a one and a half, one and three. Basically what that means is it's a twisting move that ends in a what you would consider maybe a forward flip. Mm-hmm. but it rolls out on the floor. So basically it, it starts in the air, twists and goes down into basically a somersault on the floor. And so what you're doing is you're going from straight up to landing on your head and rolling out. And Kurt got actually got hurt doing his skill when he was coming up with it. But the reason he liked it was because he didn't have to stick the landing because the landing was obviously a roll out and stand mm-hmm. back up. So several women tried to do this. And unfortunately, uh, there was a a major accident with uh, one of them that Mm. became paralyzed and Mm. another one was hurt pretty bad. So they banned the sport completely uh, from women's gymnastics. It's Mm -hmm. no longer allowed. And but it kind of shows you that with Kurt, there really wasn't a boundary of what would be safe, what wouldn't. It was more air awareness. How can I push the line? And this is where his 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 uh, parallel comes in with Simone as as well. How can I push the line in the sport to do what I'm comfortable doing that's good for my body, that matches with my power and how I tumble? And that Thomas on floor was one of the neatest tricks it was so far ahead of its time Mm -hmm. now it's still being used today and i actually saw a chinese gymnast use it a few weeks ago and put an extra twist in it and i almost came out of my chair i'm like that is so cool kurt would have thought that was so cool to Mm -hmm. even step it up another game but yes he actually kurt um got hurt on it a couple times too and he has he had a a line in his eye. I know that sounds really strange and i used to say you know when i first met him what's that line from and he would say well Tried a lot of skills, and as I was first learning them, they didn't always go so well. So, hmm. uh, but he he ended up perfecting it and did it in every international meet that he had. The Thomas on floor, and it, it's a very cool skill. You know what? Like I said, this guy could do things that a lot of people only dreamed of doing. And the Thomas flare, which is where he kind of sticks his leg up and it kind of goes in a circle. Can you talk mm-hmm. about? I know he probably told you how he came up with that as well, because no one came up with that before. He did. Yeah, they were doing circles and, and circles on pommel. So basically your your hips are straight out and your legs are straight out and you're doing circles over the pommels. And in gymnastics and men's gymnastics at that time, the circles were a deduction if you split your legs. The whole idea was oh. keeping your legs as tight and as close together as possible. And Kurt was training and he was at Indiana State and he was training and he was messing around with a version of that, that he had heard another athlete in another country mention. Well, what if we did this or what if we did that? And Kurt was really big on trying stuff that was not the norm. He he didn't like to just go the standard route pretty much on anything in life, but especially when it came to gymnastics. And so he was at Indiana State and he was messing around with it and he started doing flares where he opened his legs a little more on the sides and then kicked and then opened more and kicked and opened more and kicked. And one of his teammates went, walked by and said, Oh my gosh. And Kurt goes, this is cool. So he took a real chance putting it in the first international meet because it was a brand new skill. Mm -hmm. And technically you would have been deducted on something like that, but because it was so spectacular and it wasn't just his feet a little apart, it was actually a whole new skill versus the circles. They named it after him and it's, it's used in breakdancing now all over and they do it. um, We've had girls do it on beam. Men do it in their compulsory routines for not just pommel horse, but it's also been used on the floor. And Kurt took that flare on pommel and, and used it in his floor routine as well. And he is just spectacular at that skill. And it's interesting because we just announced, we haven't publicly announced, but I can publicly tell you, we just decided on our scholarship winner 
three days ago, the board voted and we chose a young athlete out of Houston. His name is Caden Clinton. He's phenomenal. And I have to tell you, one of the things that got me was he is a flair king. Like ah. <laughs> his pommel horse routine is almost all flares. It is spectacular. And I told him when we surprised him on the phone the other day, I said, I have to tell you, Kurt would have been really proud of those flares because <laughs> they are they are really good. But yeah, Kurt, uh, even the actual statue in front of the Atlanta games, right, that was mm-hmm. put there in uh in 1986 in the Atlanta games, 1996, yeah, 96, excuse me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 1996 in the Atlanta games that was done by Richard McDonald. And they did this whole, who's a very famous, amazing sculptor. And they did this whole tour of flair across America and Kurt would go to city to city and they'd bring out a pommel horse. And the minute he started doing flares, everybody would erupt. It was just, and, and he would say, this is the easiest skill now ever. And I would tell him, but nobody knows that. That's <laughs> right. Always... He pushed the boundary and he said, you know what? Let me make something out of something that used to be controversial. I'm going to show, you know, it's, it's kind of like an artist, you know, it's kind of like Picasso. Yeah. Picasso. I only bring that up because Picasso's art was not the Mona Lisa and, you know, where everything looks perfect. It was like, let me think outside the box and show you what your brain can imagine. Right. And and to do that at that time, I mean, if you, yeah. if you think about it, you're talking about the late 70s. So especially in that time frame, to be someone that was going to push the envelope and think outside the box is really, really impressive. And, you know, that actual statue that Richard McDonald gave, we give out to the Flair Award, um, which is a, a three quarter life of that actual statue that Richard McDonald makes for wow. us to give out at the gala every year. So it's really special. And it it's interesting how things come back around. You know, the the flair was so special to Kurt and to see it being used in different sports and in so many routines. And now as a compulsory element that the men have to do in compulsories, mm-hmm. it's it's really neat to to watch. It, it still has value and it still has meaning this many years later. You are painting such outstanding pictures. We're talking with Becky Thomas, the wife of the late great gymnast, Kurt Thomas. And Becky, can you talk about the scholarship a little bit more? Because I know that North Texas is a hotbed for gymnastics and it has been for years. It's like, where are these gymnasts? Either they're coming here to train or they grew up here, whatever it is, it seemed like they're in North Texas. But I know this scholarship goes out to different kids all over the country. Can you talk about North Texas in particular in gymnasts or gymnastics and then talk about how you determine the scholarship winners? Absolutely. Well, North Texas definitely is. And and it's mm-hmm. interesting because it started, Texas started as a hotbed for gymnastics back in the 80s uh, when Bella was here and Corolla's yeah. open. We had so many amazing athletes. And then people started coming here because they wanted to train with the greats, because when you train with somebody that's better than you, it pushes you to be better. And they would come here for that. And as time has evolved, there are several really outstanding gyms uh, throughout our country. But North Texas is different than everywhere else. We are so focused on sports and we are so focused on gymnastics. And we have some of, if not the best gymnasts in our country Mm -hmm. right here. I mean, everybody from Nastia Lucan and Carly Patterson to Simone being from Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, And even on the men's side, we have incredible athletes. So when we look for a scholarship winner, and this is, it's a lot of money. I mean, we're giving them a $12,000 scholarship to their gym to cover all of their training, uh, private lessons, tuition for the year. When we look for an applicant, we send out a pretty, pretty detailed application and we try to hit all the clubs throughout the U.S. And, you know, last year our winner was from Hawaii. So it just depends okay. on who, yeah, it actually just depends on and who comes across to us is the perfect person that fits all of the criteria of not just being a good gymnast, but giving back to the community, being a leader for his teammates, showing up every day and promoting his gym and, and his his training, and not just those things, but his character mm-hmm. and, and how he carries himself at a meet. All of those things go together with his potential for doing well in the sport. And those are things that really make certain individuals stand out. So this year, it happens to be that our winner is from Texas, from Cypress Academy, who has a phenomenal boys program. 
in uh, Cyprus, which is north of Houston. But usually this is the first time we've had somebody from here. So I'm actually excited because I grew Mm -hmm. up in Cyprus. So I feel a connection there. But it had nothing to do with where he was located. It had to do with actually interviewing him when he was down to the top four. And I I told him we had more applications this year. We had 35 applications to go through. And, And what we do, we have a scholarship committee. There are three men, including Mitch Gaylord, who are on the scholarship committee. They go through all of the scholarships and they take it down to the top three and they present the top three to the board. And then we vote. And uh, to be really frank, Caden wasn't my choice. My first choice, he was my second. And after I got off the Zoom call with him, I was so impressed that I thought to myself, you know, it's interesting. Having a board and having numerous people decide Mm -hmm. is a really good thing because I would have I would have called it wrong because Caden is the absolute perfect person for this scholarship. And I think Kurt would have been thrilled to have him have it. So, yeah, it's it's just it's such a neat process that we get to do this every year. And that phone call, I have to tell you, Chris, that phone call is the coolest thing because oh, I bet. we tell them that well, we tell them they're in the top three, right? Mm-hmm. Or the top four. Um, so they don't know. So we we talk to them and they're talking to us, you know, and we can watch them on Zoom and and they're, you know, trying to tell us how great they are and how they need to win. And and you can tell they're nervous. And then we all just say to them, hey, by the way, this isn't you being in the top three. You're the person we want. And to watch that reaction is <laughs> super cool. I bet you <laughs> so, sometimes it's tears and sometimes it's just pure emotion, just joy. Oh, yeah. And what a relief for their family. I mean, yeah. the, the sport is the higher you get in this sport, just like in figure skating and in hockey and in sure. any other sport. Oh, in baseball. I mean, I can go on oh, and on. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we are going to expand to other sports and add scholarships so that it's not just about uh, gymnasts. So we will be expanding the, the foundation to cover various sports, which I'm really excited about. So we can look for that in the future where we'll be able to, it won't, won't even really matter what, what sport they're in. And what matters is that they have a drive for competing. Mm-hmm. They want to pursue the passion they love. And we're trying to make that happen for them. Exactly. It's, it's trying to help them fulfill their opportunity, help them fulfill yeah. their goal, uh, whether it's Olympic gold, you know, whether it's world championships, whether it's just being the best that they can be while they can. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, which leads to my next question. Becky, what is the age range for gymnasts nowadays? I only bring this up because uh, Wimbledon was last month, and you you think about the young kids at Wimbledon, and you, you know Jokic was out there, and he you know he's thirty something years old. It's like wow, that's kind of old for a tennis player nowadays. What is <laughs> what is the range for gymnasts? And it's because they have to stay in shape. I mean, we're talking about complete tip top shape. Well, and you know, it's very different for men and women, right? So okay. women peak earlier and you're, you you usually see women start gymnastics way earlier as well. And it tends to be that 17-year-old range, 16, 17. They actually can't even participate until they're 16 years old in the Olympic Games. So you look for it around the 16 to 18-year-old of women. Having said that, though, like you said, Simone Biles, here we go. She's 26 and right back in it. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, I don't think there are many people that can beat her regardless of their yeah. age. You have women's gymnastics now showing an older side where men's gymnastics has always been the older side. You know, Kurt didn't start till he was 13. Most men don't start till later and they develop a little later than women. So men need the strength. Women need the strength as well, but their body type for younger and being a younger girl is much easier to move around the equipment. And as a man, you need the strength and you need more of an an adult older body Mm -hmm. to typically do well in the sport for men. So, and they mature a little later and they usually start a little later. I think Kurt starting at 13 uh, nowadays, that would be insane. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I also think that for him, he had tried every other sport under the sun and it was just the one that he was meant to be. Everything clicked for him. His body type made gymnastics easier, his drive and his passion. You know, Kurt was one of those people that, and this is something I, I think for the younger generation coming up is so important, the work ethic side yes. of a sport, because you can be as talented as you can be, but if you don't have the drive mm-hmm. and if you don't have the work ethic, 
it, the talent doesn't matter. So Kurt had a lot of things to go against. You know, he had a single mom. They could not afford gymnastics. He was trained by uh, someone that basically read a book and was a PE coach uh, to begin with. So he had a lot of obstacles to overcome. But I can tell you that he is the person that when a com- when he decided he wanted to watch TV and a commercial came on, he was doing push-ups through the commercial. He would not allow himself to watch TV without training in the commercials because his theory was there is always somebody else working mm-hmm. when I'm sitting down and they're going to try to compete against me. So if I outwork them and I'd use every hour I can, no one can beat me. And I think that's really important these days. These The kids coming up, it's not about money and it's not about talent it's about work ethic and commitment and drive mm-hmm. and those kids are the kids that i see in the gym that go the furthest they're the kids that that have longevity in sports as opposed to just burning out of sports on the earlier side and i think it makes a big difference and i think he was ahead of his time for that too you mentioned simone being back at the age of 26 who's like one of the older male gymnasts that were out it's like i can't believe he's still you know he's still competing in in other words now we have the younger side i mean now all of the all of the guys are on the younger side but Mm -hmm. there are several uh mihai baju uh did a a few runs back kip simons they tend to come back to the olympics jonathan horton is uh one of those that i always wonder will he come back will he come back what age what age uh, for for what I'm noticing in the guys, once they're hitting about 26 or 27, they usually retire from the sport. Mm-hmm. 27, 28. But so and it's I like it's, so it's like it's rare you see a 30 year old gymnast. It's like wow, Absolutely. how does? I think male gymnastics, men's gymnastics, excuse me, I think is very very hard on their bodies. Mm-hmm. Women's is too, but especially shoulders and uh, rings. Rings for a male gymnast is is a very hard event oh, to make yeah. for years and years and years That's on their strength. body. Yeah. And I think Ooh. for uh, women, because they're younger, they can, they can go a little longer for the men. I, I think that uh, concussions and shoulder injuries, and it's just a, a really hard sport and they have to pick their time. And, you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't help that the Olympics is every four years. <laughs> so oh, yeah. You really have to pace yourself with the Olympic year and pick your time and hope that you don't have injuries. There's just so many things that have to fall in place uh, for them to be successful. And I'm not sure what the men's stats were, but I know the women's stats a couple years ago were one in every 870,000 gymnasts make it to the Olympic Games. That's just women. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing stat because, again, it it changes your life, which leads. I, I, I know he's talked to you about this. He probably would have had more gold medals and more uh, notoriety. I'm not going to say success because he was very successful. Had um, He had a chance to compete in the 1980 Olympics that the United States boycotted um, mm-hmm. because of the Soviet invasion back then. Could you talk mm-hmm. about how he dealt with that? Because for a lot of different Olympians, and again, it, it's not even about uh, boycotting an Olympics. It's about missing an opportunity because it only happens every four years in your age and your prime and the whole nine yards. Absolutely. And this was a really sore subject for Kurt. I have to be really honest. And he is not a Jimmy Carter fan and Mm -hmm. pulling out of the Olympics didn't change anything. It didn't change anything politically at all. So it was mm-hmm. very hard for athletes, I I think. And, and I've been told this by numerous, numerous people and, and people that uh, study and historians for the Olympics. Kurt in that time frame, in the 1980s, was the one athlete of any sport that lost the most with that boycott. Yeah. And for several reasons. But the biggest one is he had just won the world championships less than a month before. And to win the world championships by such a high margin that he did so close to when the Olympic Games is, it's just natural that he would have gone in and done really well. Now, they had meetings and Kurt would talk about this. The Russians actually had meetings, full meetings on not the U.S. team, but how they could beat Kurt Thomas. Yeah. And I say, how flattering is that? A whole bunch of people in a room going, how can we beat this guy? How can we make Russia back on top with this Kurt Thomas American guy in our way? Um, You know, it's interesting. When I first met Kurt, I asked him about that. Not first met him, but I'd say a few few months in, we were dating and I asked him about this. And his, his comment then to me was, 
hey, you know, I try not to think about it because what if I would have gone in and choked? You don't know what could have happened. Now, married 20 years, 23 years later, his comments when I'd ask him about that, they weren't so they weren't so kind. Right, right. <laughs> they were more like, yeah, I know I could win. That was my time. It didn't change anything. It's the biggest thing anybody's ever taken away from me. I will never get over it. And and I understand that. You know, people yeah. would call and want to interview him. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission when we were talking about boycotting the games uh, 12 years ago and, and Kurt wouldn't do an interview. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. He he had a real issue with the fact that that only hurt the athletes. And like you said, this is a once in a lifetime thing. And it's not about the medals. It's about the experience. Now, right. Kurt, yeah, he competed in the 76 Olympics as well, but he had been in gymnastics for two years. He wasn't even supposed to really be there. I think he was like third to last. He had just started the sport. This 1980 team, that was his team. And and the guys that went in after him, uh, Bart Connor and Mitch Gaylord, they carried the torch and, and won gold for the men in 84. But I know for Kurt, that was really hard to not be on the team that he was supposed to be on in the Olympic Games. You know, they still call them Olympians and they were still 1980 Olympians, mm-hmm. but to not get that experience and to know about it so last minute. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they didn't find out that it was a done deal until they watched the news. They weren't told ahead of time. And they found out very close to when they were going to be going to the Olympics. So it was heartbreaking. And that I think that's an understatement for all of the athletes, not just the gymnasts. Yeah, there was a there was a window of time. And unfortunately, it changed a lot of legacies. Kurt's legacy is still intact, but it could have been even more phenomenal. And saying that it's still intact, I think I'm also grateful, and I'm sure you are too, that YouTube is around where you can see some of his of his highlights. Am I wrong about that? No, it, yeah, it's phenomenal. No, you're not wrong at all. I look at YouTube quite a bit, and a lot of people posted some really incredible videos that they had personally after Kurt passed away. And I encourage them to upload them to YouTube as well, because not just for learning what he was doing then, but to show people coming up how the sport can be changed and how you can adapt it and how being Mm -hmm. a pioneer is such a great thing. You don't have to do what, and this is in life too, right? You don't have to do what everybody else is doing and you create your own avenue for what you want to get out of the sport. And for Kurt, he had this competitive nature and and you and I, we talked about this last time I was on, but when I say competitive nature, vacuuming was an (laughs) Olympic sport in our house. If the lines weren't perfect, it was again it was crazy you know what they call that nowadays kids call that the mamba mentality from kobe bryant it's the same kind of (laughs) it's it's like very competitive everything is competitive yeah yes absolutely and and kobe bryant that's interesting you bring that up because kurt was a big kobe bryant fan and all of all of that happened very close to when kurt passed away as well but i look at his character and his drive and i try to be like that i try to uh, when I get down, when I get soft, I try to remember what Kurt would say. And, and usually his opinion about anything is, is this going to matter to you in five weeks? Is this going to matter to you in five days? Mm-hmm. Because you're, as a woman, I'm emotional and Kurt wasn't. So he was the perfect person to go to when I was emotional about a business decision that maybe I felt like I hadn't done right, or it, people came back and didn't really appreciate what I was doing. He was the one that said do you really care what anybody else thinks? Are you going to, is this going to matter to you in five weeks? You need to do what you want to do and you need to push forward no matter what. And that was his mentality and everything. And I have latched onto that, especially since he passed away and how sudden and awful that was. You're talking about the most healthy human being ever. I mean, he, he was 
running and walking five miles a day. He'd walked four miles a day that morning. Mm-hmm. He he's in such great health. And to go through something like that, a stroke, it, it's so traumatizing, but it also makes me really pull out the things that he tried to teach all of us that were close to him while he was here, mm-hmm. because he had a really good feel for people. And he had a really good feel for working hard in a competitive way to change things for the better. And I think that's something that we could all use a little bit more of. I think I totally agree with you. I think you said it so well. And again, the gala is a celebration of not only his life and his legacy, but it's also, you know, paying forward with the scholarship for the kids. Can you mention the five Hall of Fames that Kirk's inducted in? And then let's talk some more about this gala. Okay. Well, he, you're getting me on the cuff now. So I have to, Oh, that's okay. Well, off the top of your your head. (laughs) I love this. He's on the uh, international gymnastics hall of fame board. Mm -hmm. He's on the USA gymnastics hall of fame board. He's on the Southwest conference hall of fame board, not board. Sorry, in Hall the Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah. Yeah, the Hall of Fame. And he's also uh, the Indiana State University Hall of Fame, which I have to tell you, that one happened uh, before Kurt passed away, but they did the ring ceremony after. So a lot of the team got together mm-hmm. and the actual Indiana State University, Dr. Curtis, didn't realize that that team had never received rings. So she came here to the gym to visit Kurt and I. And Kurt had two comments. One is, I beat Larry Bird out for <laughs> the year and he has a statue and I don't. Where's my statue? This is the, like one of the first things he said. To and I'm That's, in the that thing. is too funny to me because, and you've told me that before, but I always think about that because he's so competitive and so is Larry Bird and both of them can talk oh, yeah. trash. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he's like, where's my statue? And I literally thought to myself at that time, oh, if I could just crawl behind a chair, I would crawl behind a <laughs> <laughs> So he, that was his thing. And he also said to Dr. Curtis, he said, our team never got our rings. And she said, you're kidding, right? And Kurt said, no, we won the national championship mm-hmm. and we never got a banner. We never got rings. We never got noticed, nothing. So she made it her mission, which I thought was the coolest thing to bring the whole team to Indiana State and give them all the rings. Now, Kurt had passed away before this happened, but they gave his ring to our son, Hunter. And we went there for the ceremony and it was the coolest thing. Well, Dr. Curtis is coming to the gala in September and she's going to be the one to nice. present that scholarship award. So I, full and we circle. Very, I know full soaker and we have a very special uh, Olympian giving Scott his award that he doesn't know about. So I can't tell you yet, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool. So the gala is, is a celebration, like you said, of Kurt's legacy and not just that, but like you mentioned, it's a whole new avenue for the future to help and carry on his name in such an incredible cause and way. You know, I, again, this thing is so exceptional. This gala is coming up in September. Can you explain the date again? Just remind everybody how they can get their tickets online or if they wanted to volunteer, it's not too late. If they wanted to partner, because I know you got a lot of different partners who, who oh, are listening yeah. and some that might want to join in as well, because it's an awesome occasion. It is so cool and so much fun. It's the highlight of my year. And this year we have Regents Bank came in, uh, Chuck Ta Casino is a big sponsor. We have Walmart in there. We just have some really great people, Healthware Highway, Healthcare Highways, along with the Horizon Capital. We have some great companies that have come in to support the cause. And the actual event is called the Kurt Thomas Foundation Black Tie Gala. And it's Friday night, September 22nd. At 6.30, it's at the Renaissance Hotel located in Legacy West. So if you're familiar with Dallas, Mm -hmm. you know the Legacy West area. It's a blast. It's at the Renaissance Hotel. And you can get tickets and information. You can volunteer. You can donate on KurtThomasFoundation.com with no spaces. And you can find all the information there. You can also look at our scholarship winners from last year, our Flair recipient award this year, what we did with the funds last year. And it's it's such a great night. I encourage all of you to come out, have fun, use it as a date night while supporting a great cause and meet some really incredible people from our area and sports Olympians that aren't from our area and celebrate with us. She is Becky Thomas from the Kurt Thomas Foundation. Becky, again, thanks for joining us. And our next guests are from the Office of Community Affairs of the Dallas Police Department, 
We're talking about the manager of community engagement operations, Robert Munoz. I call him Munich. Everybody does. And officer, uh, Sergeant Officer at County Affairs or Community Affairs, Reginald Luster. How you doing, Reg? Good morning. How you doing? Well, first of all, Muni, you got to talk about the summer. The summer's not quite over with, but this particular summer, City of Dallas had this campaign called the Summer of Safety. Can you talk about what you guys were able to do and what it's been all about? You know what? It's been a, a very, very productive summer for us in terms of our community engagement initiatives. Chris, uh, obviously, we hosted some some amazing summer initiatives, uh, summer programs. Uh, last week, we hosted our, uh, we did a summer youth program at Grawater Park, which we hosted approximately 200 kids. 200, yeah, yeah wow. 200 kids. And we had all our static units. We invited our drone unit, our dive team, gang unit. Uh, and uh, we did some uh, education components with them, too, education and safety components with them as well. Yeah. Can you and, talk uh, about some what, what those entail? Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, we gave away some bikes to, the, to the, some of the participants as well. Can you talk about some of the exercises you guys did? Because people love the fact that when, you know, law enforcement, the police department engages with the community so everybody can be on the same page and kind of get to know each other. And it's not, you know, it's not a scenario where people just envision each other and not really know each other. No, sure, sure. You know, like I said, we, we you know we have a we also have a bike program with the kids. We do a disc golf. Most importantly, we start hosting our boxing programs right now as we speak, Chris. Uh, we own we uh, we host it in Pleasant Grove at the uh, JCL Recreation Center mm-hmm. and and at the Forest Lane Adelia Boxing Gym uh, from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday. And those 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 courses training classes are completely free. We don't charge a bit. One single penny. We have coaches on on staff and officers as well, helping out training, um, helping them condition, and and just helping them spar and learn the your basic functions of bo- uh, boxing part. You know boxing. what? What I love about that, and Reg, I want you to go into that detail a little bit more too. I love about that is because people really love Golden Gloves boxing and they love professional boxing. And our own Earl Spence Jr. just had a fight. Earl Spence, of course, from Desoto. But we love Earl, and that was a spectacular fight. Unfortunately, he didn't win it. He did not look good in it, but he was at the time a three-time world champion. It reminds me of back in the days uh, we had a welterweight champion from Dallas named Curtis Cox, and he was also a great, great fighter and and Jim, and it it also kept kids off the streets. It gave them something to do, right, Reg? Yeah, it does. And uh, this is a great, you know, with the boxing program that we have, you know, we take experienced boxers. And we put them in, in competition, and it's free of charge. So there is no expense that they're paying to participate in this, this uh, program. And this is run by our Dallas Police Youth Foundation that sponsors it. And it's a good way for to get the kids involved in the community as well as officers involved in the community. Mm-hmm. And it gives them something very, very productive uh, to do. And we also have, Chris, in, in regards to the boxing, you know, we have the disc golf program, mm-hmm. and that's partnership with the Parks and Rec Department. And we have a cycling partnership program, and that's also with the Parks and Rec Department, as well as a mentoring uh, program with Parks and Recs. And that is a, is a sponsored by a faith-based nonprofit uh, organization. That's fantastic. Fellas, I just had a brilliant idea. Now, I know the budget is tight. But I'm, I want y'all to talk to the big bosses about this. I think what would be a big hit if y'all started doing a pickleball tournament and get these Come kids on. doing some pickleball. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. You know, pickleball is something that is really, really picking off. Yeah. I've seen it myself, and it looks very fun. I know it's, 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 it's very popular. It's even on TV and competitions that they're having. And I think that's a great way, you know, to get the kids involved. Yeah. And, uh, Keep them active. And, uh, yes, so I, I, I like the idea. that Please pass it along because I'm going to tell you something. When I found out LeBron James owned a pickleball team, I was like, wait a minute. This thing must be big if LeBron's involved. All I know is a lot of people like to play it. Jamie Foxx was playing it up there in Chicago while he was doing his rehab and stuff. And I was like, everybody's playing pickleball. I actually like playing pickleball here and there. But at the same time, I think, man, talk about getting the the – uh, police department and the and the kids in the community involved together, man. Can you imagine that? 
Yes, it is. It is. I, I saw it myself on TV, and I was really impressed with uh, just how fun it looked like uh, the sport. So yeah, that's definitely something that I think we should incorporate in our summer program, and it is it is a uh, good activity for everyone. Hey, Munich, I'm glad you're saying that because we're also hosting a soccer camp oh, coming good. up in August of 19, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be, we're going to try to secure about approximately 120, 120 130 kids. And this summer camp, summer, uh, soccer camps are completely free again. Uh, it's going to be uh, hosted through our Unidos Hispanic Outreach Program, but we're going to, you know, in, you know, invite everybody in, in yeah. the community. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And this class, uh, this thing's going to be taking place at the Pleasant Grove Stadium, beautiful stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate BISD for allowing us to use their facilities as well. But the soccer camps is just one of the part of our summer camp initiatives before they go back to school. So many people love soccer and soccer has been been People have been talking about soccer big time this summer because Messi came to the United States and he's playing down there in Miami and Everybody's all excited, but kids have always loved soccer. Can you talk about, both of you guys, can you talk about how, not just for, you know, the kids in the community, but how important it is for police officers? Because I know a lot of guys actually want a good reason to engage with the with the areas that they're in. And, 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 and so, in fact, some of them actually grew up in the areas that they're able to uh, reach back to, like you, Muni, and you too, Reg. You guys kind of mm-hmm. grew up in areas and, and were able to, to do some work with them and work with the kids there. And how, how in other words, what the police get out of it, the, the individuals themselves, because I know it makes them feel good. You know, I'm, I'm originally from Dallas. Mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up in, uh, in Oak Cliff. And you're exactly right. I think from an officer standpoint, uh, it's the interaction to where, and I say give back because so often, you know, when you're an officer, the, the way that they may be viewed, uh, in a more authoritative role, but when you're out there interacting with them, you're sweating, you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. They see you as a, as a partnership, and we're building relationships. And it, I think it's important for officers to interact and uh, with the youth because that's the influence. You know, for some, if we're talking single parents, that may be a good role model for them to uh, to look at. And for the officers, it allows them to, to really build relationships with the youth with the families of the youth, with other officers as they compete. And it's a very competitive but friendly kind of atmosphere. So it kind of shows the bond of working together as one with uh, the youth and uh, police officers and just that engagement, that teamwork. You know, it's, it's a very, very uh, uh, fun exercise, fun event. The competition is friendly. And that's what kind of breeds, again, like I said, I think the relationship with the trust, working with the community, and just kind of building on uh, police and understanding, you know, what communities that we do represent for the entire city of Dallas. Yeah. And Muni, what about you? I mean, by the way, Muni, I think it would be a great story to tell right here is how you unretired and came back because people love you. <laughs> Man, you know, what, Chris, <laughs> you know, I still have the buy-in. Uh, you know, it's it's always it's always get, it's a it's a, it's obviously it's a passion of mine to continue serving our community. You know, I mean, I probably served as a sergeant for 29 years, over 29 years, retired in 2099. And I'm saying, you know what, I got to come back. I still have that energy. I still have that spunk in me. Let's go. Uh, Chief Garcia embraced it and he, and he supported my efforts. And Chief Garcia is very progressive in terms of our community engagement initiatives. So he let me run it, and, and having a good command staff that really supports your efforts, it makes your job more easier. And, and, and we have an amazing, dynamic team. Um, you know, I mean, I call them my varsity team, Chris. Mm-hmm. I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. They're my varsity team. They're amazing. They're doing a lot of good summer initiatives. Uh, you know, we just hosted a big summer uh, back to school this weekend. That's right. At Addison High School, we served over 1,000 backpacks. Uh, and, and that's what we like doing is giving back to the community. It just – we're humanizing the badge, if you will, right? Exactly. So, and we're, yeah. Um, you know, another thing that we're, you know, you know, we got, you know, and I'm sure you can probably embrace, uh, expand on this. You know, we got the Together We Ball coming up on August of 27th, Chris, and I think you're, you're emceeing that event yes, as well, Yes, for right? the seventh year in a row. I love Together We Ball. That's where, you know, community groups, uh, 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 law enforcement, everybody can get together, play some pickup basketball with some of the pastors, and you got 
I mean, it's just a, a great occasion where a lot of people get together. This year it's going to be at SMU, and uh, it's going to be, like I said, the the weekend before uh, Labor Day. So the Sunday before Labor Day, the, the Labor Day weekend, it's going to be at SMU. And uh, we had it at Paul Quinn last year. And shout out to uh, Pastor Richie Butler for putting that thing together. Exactly, yeah. And uh, you know we're gonna, you know, you know we're gonna have some amazing activities. We're gonna have youth skills, drill camps. We're gonna have high school exhibition games. You know, and then we're all, us from the community first. We're gonna be bringing some resources, face painting. The Dallas, obviously, the Dallas maps are gonna be entertaining. And the most important, we're gonna be bringing our superheroes and everything up there as well. So we're excited about for that day on the 27th. You know, our boss man is gonna be out there as well. Chief Eddie Garcia and yeah. and he, like I said, it's a great a great turnout. Uh, it's I'm it's uh, I'm excited. It's going to be at SMU this year, uh, Moody Coliseum. Mm-hmm. I think it's from um, it's from let me see, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I believe or 4 p.m. My yeah, apologies. Yeah, it's going to be a nice full day. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. And you mentioned Chief Garcia. I want both of you, in your own words, to talk about what kind of guy he is because everybody I've ever talked to, and I've met him a couple of times, but I haven't had a chance to spend a lot of time with him. Everybody loves chief Garcia. Can you, can you tell Reg, you start first, what you think of him, what you thought of him and what kind of job you think he's doing? And no, your job is not in jeopardy. You can tell us the truth. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. No, you know, again, I've, I've been on Chris for uh, 19 years and mm-hmm. I've seen, uh, you know, of course, uh, different chiefs that we've uh, brought on board. And I, I would say that uh, what I like about Chief Garcia, Garcia is that he is, even though he's a chief, uh, he inter- interacts with everyone. Yeah. Right. From the guy that has uh, six weeks out the academy to the guy that has 30 years on and that he can relate. He listens. And I think he's very compassionate about building relationships within the city of Dallas. Again, working with not only just officers, but more importantly with the community going out to places that maybe was not uh, uh, popular or known and establishing those relationships of trust. And he's very active in the community, as you know, right? He mm-hmm. is uh, probably pretty much every day, every week somewhere. And he supports not only the officers, but he's out there with the community. So I've been impressed by his leadership style. Uh, I think one of the things he said when he came on was, you know, if, uh, if you, uh, I think it was like, if you like ice cream, uh, uh, you know, uh, sell it or something. He made a, a reference of that. In other words, if uh, if you understand what the community wants and you embrace it and you support it, and at the same time you provide the leadership by being the one out front, that it makes a big difference. So I've been very impressed with not only his leadership, but that what he says he also does. And Muni, what about you? No, and and uh, yeah, I, I gotta I gotta echo on that as well. I mean, uh, I, and I think I mentioned this. He's very progressive. Uh, Chief Lex is a hands-on. He don't like to stay in the office. He was very clear. You know what? Uh, as much as he's got to be in the on the sixth floor, he just likes to get on the outside in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recently hosted a community walk a couple of weeks ago at Roseland Townhomes. Um, Chris, I'm mm-hmm. not sure you know Roseland Townhomes. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. right there near high school in '75. Yep. So we hosted a community walk with Chief Garcia and our MPOs. Uh, we I think we passed out approximately about a hundred surveys and we wanted to get the feedback from our constituents, our residents, what's going on in your neighborhood? How do we improve race relations, police relations? What kind of resources are we needing? But it shows that the value that, Hey, we value you. We want to hear your concerns and we want to build on that and, you know, build that foundation from learn, uh, learning from them and just, you know, just being part of that community engagement. And she, and, and she loves that. She likes to go out there and just have those conversations with our residents. And that's what it's all about, having conversations and listening to their concerns. Absolutely. Exactly. You guys do a great, great job. We're talking to Officer Reginald Luster. I should say Sergeant. Sergeant Reginald Luster. And we're also talking to uh, uh, Robert Munoz. And you guys have been doing this for a long, long, long time. And you've seen Dallas change over the years. You've, You've been through the pandemic as well. You've seen a lot of things. You, the Fourth of July shooting, uh, the nine eleven. You guys were around for all of those different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you can you talk about how you feel about the way things are going right about now? Well, I, again, what I would say, Chris, and I can say, being a a resident of Dallas and uh, having family that lives in uh, in Dallas, uh, being an African American, 
and also being in, in law enforcement, you know, I've seen progressively how it has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think more importantly, it is the transparency that you see now. You know, yes. when things happen, uh, it's immediate, right? Whether it's body-worn camera or video that someone may have. And uh, I think as a police department, especially with Dallas, that we're on the forefront of that. As soon as something uh, major happened, our chief is out there and he will tell you uh, if something's done right, he supports it. If something's done incorrectly, he also supports that. And he is open to uh, take input. And so what I like to see when I, when I, when I see the things that are happening in the city of Dallas is that we are as a community, including law enforcement, including the community and all of our faith base and all the partners that we have, we're working toward a common goal, which is to build relationships, to build trust within the communities, to have that open transparency to where we can have open dialogues, whether we're talking about community meetings, whether we're out there participating in uh, disc golf, whether we're playing soccer, that we're able to, especially in our role, have those open uh, conversations and be able to take that input back from the streets to the field and then back through our chain of command to say that these are the programs that we need to provide, just as you're saying pickleball, Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's a very common uh, sports that's taking place, but it allows us to be able to participate, have conversations, and build relationships. And and hopefully, if we have these major incidents, like we just mentioned before, we've already established the the the, the transparency and the the communication necessary, so that we don't kind of get on these um, rumors or tangents that we're able to say, "Hey, I've I, I've." have relationships with these officers. They're out in my community on a daily, a weekly basis, and they can come to us and know that their concerns are going to be heard and addressed in May. Yeah, Muni, you got anything you want to add to that? Because that was outstanding. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Like I said, ever since the 2016, the July uh, incident, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously it, it was a, it was a, it was a, b- a bad day for us. I mean, it, uh, Everybody was affected by it, not just our law enforcement family, but, you know, we lost five good officers. Um, you know, we were out there just doing our job, you know, you know, pr- protecting our, 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 you know, protesters, our friendly protesters. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, after that, I mean, it really changed my perspective in terms of how we see our community's perspective about race relations, community relations. But we learn from them and we, we got to hear from them. Um, and I think all the initiatives that we've done partnering up with all our MPOs because we got to go back and give it to kudos to all our officers that are out there working specifically in our community engagement, all our officers that are patrolling and everything, but our community engagement initiatives are really hands-on. When I say we set the mark, I think we set the bar. Um, we set the bar, Chris, in terms of our community engagement initiatives. There's very few cities in throughout the country that have a major community engagement unit as big as we are. Uh, because like us, we have to, acknowledge and, and address all seven patrol divisions and our storefronts. Uh, that's why I think, you know, our teams is so diligently and, and hands-on and we work in uniform. And I think that's important that we continue doing what we're doing. You know, it's about having those conversations, uh, getting off the squad car. It's not your typical community policing. You got to get out of your squad car and meet and greet your resident and listen to them. And that's what really, that's what really, puts us on top because we're really having those conversations and, and building those relations and transparency as, as Sergeant Luster said, is very important. We have to be, it's about building trust and legitimacy. And that's where we're at. And I Chris, love I just want to get into that. Uh, Go right ahead. So we, we have a faith in blue that we do. Uh, this is in October. It normally runs from October the 6th or October the 9th. And this is what all law enforcement and faith-based organizations where they're, whether we are going to the church service, we're participating in programs they may have, but it's that same uh, uh, base that we're talking about is where we are as officers participating in some type of capacity with these churches. And this is from every religious background uh, that uh, or denomination that is participating in that. But like I said, it runs from October the 6th to October the 9th where different agencies and our agency, Office of Community Affairs, we're out, and as you mentioned, uh, Pastor Butler is uh, one of the churches that we do attend, but it's, this is open to any and all, and we do encourage those relationships where we, again, as officers, are, are either sitting in the service, having uh, conversations with church leaders or church members, 
about law enforcement and the, the very things that are important to all of us, which is safety, uh, transparency, communication, and, and trust more than, more than anything. Gentlemen, you guys have full respect around Dallas-Fort Worth, and we cannot thank you enough for all the services you provide, and especially we can't thank you enough for joining us on the show today. It just it builds that, like I said, you're building that, you're fostering that trust and relation with our, our kids, but that's what we want to do. We want to recruit more officers. We, that's why we we have our police explorers program, our junior police explorers, our police athletic league, junior police academies. That's coming up in the fall as well. So we're excited. We still got a lot of some a lot of initiatives coming up. Yeah. And, the, and the very last thing I think, uh, Chris, that you you're involved in this as well. We have the building bridges for Dallas Mavericks coming up later in the mm-hmm. year as well that we're putting together. Well, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, and thank you for being with us. All right, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. And thank you all for joining us on Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. So long, everybody. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.